Welcome to the heartland of the Jesus Name Pentecostals, the Louisiana District of the United Pentecostal Church Tape Ministry. Tapes may be obtained by writing Tape Ministry, P.O. Box 248, Tioga, Louisiana 71477. Let the tape roll. May you be blessed by this ministry to the glory of God. Jesus. Oh, we love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. God, you're so great. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me past Exodus to the book of Numbers. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Numbers chapter 22 this morning. It's great to be here in the house of the Lord. I will reserve for tomorrow to make more remarks, but you have been treating my wife and I so very kind and full of hospitality that uh, it overwhelms us, and we deeply, deeply appreciate it. And is my friend, Brother Ronnie Lacombe, in here? God bless that dear, precious man. I love Brother Lacombe. He's been sick. Before I came to Louisiana, prayerfully, considerately, making my way through my notes, feeling after the Lord. And I'd stop and say, now, did God give me this or Ronnie Lacombe? Did God give me this or Ronnie Lacombe? And I, I had to leave the Ronnie Lacombe notes home. <laughs> but I don't leave much of them home, I'm going to tell you that. If you don't want me to preach something, you better keep it to yourself. Praise God. So anyway, it's good to see him and others and all of you today. Now, if you have your Bibles, keep them in your hands. Because this is going to be a Bible study in the truest sense of the word. A lot of times, I don't really know the difference between teaching and preaching, except when I teach, I go longer and slower. Praise God. And when I teach, the first two rows get sprayed. And when I preach, the first four rows get sprayed. Praise the Lord. So, uh, but this is teaching. We're going to go through the Word of the Lord. I want to talk to us today about one of the enigmas of the Bible. One of the most complex human beings that the Word of the Lord affords us. I want us to study Step by step, the life of Balaam today. That's him calling. I'm teasing. I don't know who's on the other end of the line. Just, I love him. Praise the Lord. He, 
believe that. I really believe that. Amen. So, rather than us reading a text, what do you say that we just uh, pray and then we will be seated and go to the Word of the Lord? Lord God, we're asking that Your good hand would be upon us and on our hearts and minds and souls. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, anoint us, minister to us, to and through Your servant. Quicken Your Word, God. Help us to see what You would have us to see, each and every one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you so very, very much. You may be seated. Now, in the book of Jude, the apostle writes of the error of Balaam. And then in the book of Revelation, we find John telling us about the doctrine of Balaam. And so we find in chronologically in that portion of the Word of the Lord that the error is spoken of before the doctrine. And we want to talk about first the error of Balaam before we go into the doctrine of Balaam. I believe that every false doctrine that is in the world today was first formulated out of a heart that was in error. And when the heart was in error, then eventually the, the heart that is in error will formulate a doctrine of error to vindicate the error of the heart. Now, what we have in the 22nd chapter of the book of Numbers is the king of Moab, whose name is Balak. He is sore afraid, verse 3. He and his people are distressed because the children of Israel are coming their way. The elders in verse 4 said, This company of Israelites is going to lick up all that are round about us as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. So they knew that these people were virtually unstoppable. No one had been able to stop them from the days when they were in Egypt. And uh, if they couldn't have been stopped when they were, were weaponless, pitiful slaves, how could they hope to stop them now? And so they knew that these people were a very special people. And they were a very anointed people. And the good hand of God was upon them. So, so Balak began to think this through and decide that, I guess, if anything's going to really be done, we better try and fight fire with fire. And if it was a man by the name of Moses that led them out, we will uh, dredge up the greatest prophet that we can find, a man by the name of Balaam, to stop them. And so he sent his messengers on a 17-day journey one way <clears throat> to go get Balaam. Balaam was a prophet of the Lord. Now, according to some of the uh, uh, Jewish traditions, they actually make the statement that Balaam uh, was a prophet of the same stature as was Moses. And um, I don't buy into that. But he was a prophet of very great stature. You do not 
hear about somebody that's a 17-day journey away. This is prior to any kind of uh, electronic communication or automobiles or things of that nature. Uh, but what he is, an impressive figure that cuts quite a path. And so they sent these messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, verse number 5, and saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they bide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and I may drive them out of the land. For I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. Whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse, they are cursed. So come now, therefore, and curse me, this people. Now, Balak's lack of understanding is found often in primitive minds. That the messenger of God has the power to call the shots. That is a primitive thought. A messenger of God is meant to be just that, a messenger. If Balaam ever had blessed anybody and they were blessed, it's because they were already blessed in heaven and he just was the avenue by which God let them know about it. If they were cursed of Balaam's mouth, they had already been cursed in heaven. And all Balaam was was the messenger boy. But Balak, a man and other primitive peoples, equate the ability to bless or curse with the power of the vessel. It's not that way, brothers and sisters. The Bible says the curse causeless shall not come. You have, if you're going to be effective, amen, to be hooked up to God. If you're going to bless or you're going to curse, you better hear the voice of God, knowing what's being blessed and what's being cursed. Unless, of course, you're hooked up to another spirit. Amen. And so he understood that, that uh, Balaam was quite a blesser and quite a curser. So he thought, I will pay him to come and do some cursing for me. So he placed verse 7 in his hands, the rewards of divination. They came to him. And in verse number 8, they said unto him, or he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. Now, that's no empty boast. That's uh, quite a statement. I've had people come to me and want to know. Tell them we're working on it. Praise God. I've had people come to me and uh, want to know... Uh, information or what I would think or what do you think the Lord would think, etc., etc. I'm going to confess unto you my, my weakness, lack of faith or lack of whatever. Uh, I have yet to say, okay, you lodge here this night and I'm going to go in there and pray and sleep and, and I will tell you in the morning what God tells me. I usually give myself a space of time. And I say, give me time to pray and if I hear anything, I'll come tell you. And I try to be very, very careful about this. That if I hear from God, I will tell Him just exactly what He told me. 
And if I don't hear from God, I will let them know I have not heard from God, but I will give you my opinion as of one who has found favor of the Lord. This is what I think. And in light of the Scripture, etc., etc. Amen. But I'm very careful, and we need to be very careful about saying, Thus saith the Lord, when He hasn't said a word. Amen. And it's our greatest protection. Because I'm going to tell you, personal integrity will keep you out of a lot of trouble down the road. If you don't believe that, ask Abimelech, who was a Philistine king, a man that took to a wife, a woman by the name of Sarah, because her brother said it was his sister. And her brother was a half-brother by the name of Abraham. And this man one day was woke up in a dream, and God said, Thou art but a dead man because you've taken another woman's wife. And he said, God, I didn't know she was his wife. He said she was the sister. And, 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 and I did this in the innocency. And God spoke to him and said, I know you did it in innocency. And because of your integrity, I suffered you not to touch her. Now, if God can keep a Philistine king because he walks in integrity, I think God could keep some of us. Hallelujah. Amen. So at any rate, Balaam said, you lodge here, and I'm going to tell you in the morning what God said. And it was no empty boast. God came unto Balaam and said, what men are these with thee? As if God is ignorant. He is not ignorant. Whenever God asks a question, you can go from Genesis to Revelation. In every instance, when God asks a question... It's for our benefit. Adam, where art thou? He knew where he was, but did he know where he was? And so it is. Why is he saying, what are these men with thee? Because he wanted to hear it come out of Balaam's mouth. What do you understand about this situation? Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, he said unto me, there's a people come out of Egypt and he wants me to curse them. So when God heard all that, verse 12, God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Now, Balaam gets up. He arose in the morning. He said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. Now, is what he said true? Yes. But is it the whole story? No. Why didn't he tell him? You may as well forget it. Because these people are blessed of heaven. And because they're blessed of heaven, they're going to stay blessed of heaven. And so it wouldn't do us any good to follow through with this. All he gets up is with abrupt, with no explanation... He said, the Lord refuses to give me leave to go with you. Now, this is going to get pretty deep pretty quick, I think. I don't think Balaam thought that those people even believed God spoke to him. They're pagans. They create their own gods. They form them the way they want. Their gods believe what they tell them to believe. Amen. They carve them. They decide what their God's going to look like. 
they decide what their God's going to be like. And their concept of God is that's the way God is. And so Balaam coming out with this business of, of the Lord refuseth to let me go. They don't no more believe that. Amen. Than cats eat termites. Amen. And I'll prove it to you because in the 13th, 14th verse, the princes of Moab rose up. They went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. They didn't believe God talked to him. They said, Balaam don't want to come. He refuses to come. Now, why didn't Balaam lay it out? Because in my mind, he is fishing for a return visit. He's not that happy with what God told him. He went to bed with visions of sugar plums. He went to bed thinking of the rewards and all that Balak could offer. I mean, this is not a guy, amen, wanting his crops blessed. This is a man whose back is to the wall and a knife is to his throat. And that kind of a man will offer you a lot. And so he's thinking, boy, this is going to be one of the highest paying opportunities I have ever had. And, uh, and so the Lord says, you're not going. These people are blessed. I'm going to make some statements that it's going to take a while to prove. But he says, the Lord refuses to let me go. They go to Balaam, Balak, and they say, he ain't coming. So I think he was fishing for a renewal of the offer, which he got. Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. He sent out the big boys. And uh, they came and said, let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee, from coming to me, verse 17, for I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Therefore I pray thee, curse me this people. Verse 18, now this sounds good. Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold. Now see, Balak is talking promotion and honor. Balaam's talking Cold hard cash. I'm not interested in your promotion and your honor. But if, if you were to give me a house full of gold and silver, sounds good. I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. It sounds good. And it is true. But you're going to find that Balaam is a very slippery, fascinating individual. Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye here also this night, that I may know what the Lord will say more unto me. Why did he say that? Why didn't he say, boys, you may as well go back home. It's a finished matter. But he said, stay here. I've already fished for you to come back, and you've came back. Now I'm going fishing in my tent. I'm going to see if just maybe God has changed his mind. Verse 20, And God came unto Balaam in the night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. If the men... Now why is God doing this? Why didn't God 
say, why did you even tell them that? I told you what I said. The people are blessed. They're not going to be cursed. Tell them to hit the road. Why is God now backing up as it seems? Because God sometimes does back up to see some things. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, Brother Phillips, read verse number 31. How be it? How be it? In the business of the ambassadors. In the, this is concerning King Hezekiah. How be it? Concerning the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, of the princes of Babylon, who sent him unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. The king of Babylon sent him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. God left him. God left him. God left Hezekiah. God backed up and away from Hezekiah. Read to try him. To try him. That he might know that he might know all that was in his heart. All that was in his heart. And the same God now is backing off a little bit from Balaam. Because Balaam, you're acting strange here. You know, I know the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And and it sounds good what's coming out of your mouth, but something I'm picking up in the spirit ain't just quite right. So I'm going to back off a little bit, and, and I'll give it to you this way. If the men come knocking on your tent door in the morning, then you arise and go with them. Verse 21, Balaam didn't even give him a chance to knock on his door. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. Now, Ecclesiastes 10 says... As a fly, little fly, in the ointment of the apothecary doth send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly, him that is in reputation of wisdom and honor. Now, the higher someone goes up the scale of God's usage, the less folly is afforded that individual. He that is in reputation for wisdom and honor has got much less room to be stupid in. Because a little fly in the ointment of the apothecary doth send forth a stinking savor, so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. And then you can be somebody that's a janitor at TGNY, and that's no shame. Amen. And you can do a lot of stupid things around the church, and people don't think nothing about it. But I'm going to tell you, the higher you go up the ladder, whatever that ladder is, the less room you've got, amen, to play stupid. And so now, Balaam, I'm sensing a little fly in the ointment here, and I'm going to back up, and we're just going to see how much folly you've got. Balaam rises up. He waits for no call. Amen. No knock on his door. He saddles the ass. Verse 22, And God's anger was kindled against him because he went. I backed off to check you out. Now I have checked you out. And I don't like what I see. This man left the door open for a re-offer. And this man also was trying to work with God to see if he could some way, somehow, 
forget God or hope that God would change his mind and that in the long end of it, he would profit personally from it. So, the Lord is angry with him because he went. He's on a journey now. He has started down a journey. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Big doors swing on little hinges. And little hinges in our spirits can swing big, wide doors of what the future will hold. And so, he's on his way. And the angel of the Lord... Amen. Stands in front of him, verse 23, with a sword drawn in his hand. Balaam didn't see it, but the ass upon which he was riding did see it. And the ass turned out of the way and went into the field. Apparently the first time the angel of the Lord appeared, it was a big, wide, open area. And it was very easy for the ass to turn around. No problems, no repercussions. Just And if you understand that the ass turned around... Balaam had to turn the ass back to go the direction he was headed. Now, you don't tend to keep a beast of burden around that don't cooperate. And so he pulls him back, probably muttering to himself, What is wrong with you, you sorry outfit? Amen. And he didn't just turn the ass, he smote the ass. He didn't just turn the bridle. He got a whip involved. Don't mess with my plans. Verse 24, But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyard, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. You see, now it's not an open field. It's it's starting to narrow down a little bit. There's a wall here and there's a wall there. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall and he smote her again and made her keep going. He's got a crushed foot now. He is not a happy camper. Something is going not quite smooth here. He thought this would be an easy path. The angel of the Lord, verse 26, went further and stood in a narrow place. There was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. Whenever someone's way is perverse before God, He gives them room to turn around. And He deals with them. And He talks with them. If they continue, amen, to make their way, then it's going to become a narrower path where it's more difficult to turn around. The longer you go in your folly, the harder it is to extricate yourself from it. That's the reason we better have some tender hearts. And when the Word of the Lord is preached, brother, we better know how to fall on our face and say, my Lord and my God, not my will, but Thy will be done. Now He has persisted in smiting the ass till He comes to a place He cannot turn around. And I've watched people, amen, go down the paths of their lives, amen, where they keep pushing and they keep pressing till they get themselves in a fix. Now they cannot turn around. And the only way they're going to get out, brother, is to back 
themselves up totally, which can be a very humiliating experience. But I'd rather back myself up all the way home, brother, than end up so out of touch and gone with God. So now he couldn't turn around to the left or the right. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord and she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. He smote the ass with a staff. He's not worried about a whip now. He's got a staff and he's beating on the ass. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass and she said unto Balaam, What have I now done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Now dear brethren, It seemeth to me that if your donkey ever starts talking to you, you either better listen or check yourself in somewhere. But this man is so infuriated. This man is so upset because this ass has been messing with his dreams and his plans. He's no longer resorting to a little cord, brother. He's got a staff and he's beating that ass. And he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you beating on me? And Balaam answers, verse 29, because you have mocked me, I would, there were a sword in my hand, I would kill you. And the ass said unto Balaam, and not I and thine ass upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day. Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, no. Well, I've seen some people get headstrong in their plans and their dreams. Amen that are outside of the will of God. Amen. And they can get so set, nobody can reason with them. God can't talk to them. Amen. They, 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 they're in a wide field, and, they, and, they, and if they get turned around, they're going to make themselves go back. They get in a little narrower place. They start getting crushed against the walls, but they're still not listening. They get in themselves in the positions they can't turn around. And then, brother, they fix them to take it out on the world. I've seen people go down to their graves hating preachers, hating the church. All they can do is complain about them. All we did was try to help you. We saw you on a path. You were headed. Amen. So, about that time, his eyes are opened up. And he sees... The angel of the Lord with a sword drawn, verse 31, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face, which is reasonable. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. Now, the way meaning the way to Moab, no, it's not your journey, it's your thoughts. It's your purpose. It's your hopes. It's your self-deception. You said you would like to kill the ass. I'm telling you, Balaam, what you really want to kill is your conscience. 
Because you know your ass was never want to do this before and you were never want to do this before. Something has bit into your spirit and it's luring you in. And I'm telling you, that's the way that is perverse before me. Verse 34, and get this, Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Pretty weak repentance. I've sinned. Not because I saddled the ass and headed out. Not because I didn't tell the servants of Balak the whole story. Not because I re-entered the tent hoping for a reprieve. I, I, I didn't know you was there. Man, I'm sorry. And get this. If, if it displeased thee, I will get me back again. You ever heard that? If I did anything to offend you, forgive me. I'm sorry about that six-inch blade in your back. And if that hurts you, boy, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to puncture your lung. If, if, whenever I hear an apology starting with if, I cringe. What do you mean if? If I've done anything. Brother, you've been on a track for a while. You better get back home. If. And when the Lord saw, He don't see it. He don't get it. He's not got it. He has become, I gave the definition of iniquity the other day, not all inclusive, but one of the best in my mind is self-will. Do you understand that Lucifer was perfect until the day iniquity was found in him? His self-will, and he became captive of his own self-will. Balaam, you have become a captive of your own self-will. There is no real repentance. There is You're given lip service, and that pretty weak... And, and so he sees that the man's mind is not convinced in the way of truth and righteousness. And I'm going to tell you something. The most dangerous thing can ever happen to you or me is when God yields to our will instead of us yielding to His will. And God will yield to our will. And so the angel said unto Balaam, Go with them in. But only the word that I shall speak unto thee, thou shalt speak. So no doubt Balaam grins and says, Boy, I squeaked by another one. I squeaked by I've got permission to go. And so when Balak heard he was come, he went out to meet him in the city of Moab, the border. And uh, verse 37, Did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto thee? Am I not able to promote thee to honor? Amen. And Balaam answered him very well. He said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee, but I have I now any power at all to say anything 
the word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall he speak. Listen to me. When you deal with Balaam, you're dealing with a most extraordinary man. Amen. And one thing that he knew was Balak, your concept of God is different from my knowledge of God. And what you're saying, you don't really understand. But I do. But I'm going to play it to the hilt. Amen. So he says, I'm not able to say anything. Amen. But what the Lord puts in my mouth. He is an extraordinary, strange man. I've read of these individuals and I've met some of them. I've read of Mr. A. A. Allen. Times they would arrest him for being drunk and it would shake his followers. And so his answer was, man, I fasted so long that my blood sugar changed and I got drunk and intoxicated on my own blood sugar. And they said, oh, now we understand. And how he would be in the back behind the curtains Amen. Off stage, sucking on fifths of whiskey. They couldn't hardly stand him up. And the curtain would open it up. And he'd come out on the stage and have total control of his faculties. And move and minister and bless and people be healed. And they'd close the curtain. And he'd stumble his way back to the next bottle. I met him. Not him. I remember going to a service in Los Angeles to hear someone that if I called his name, you'd all know it. Left this truth. I won't go into all of it. Except when he got up, he was smiling. And he saw us back there. And he froze. And he went back to his smile. And pretty soon he said, I see the spectators have come to check us out today. And he looked and said, And you think we look funny, don't you? But I've got news for you. You're the ones that look funny. And he smiled and went back. And for 45 minutes he stumbled and bumbled. And, and I sat there thinking, have mercy. This is the man that used to hold me as a young man spellbound. And all of a sudden as he stumbled and bumbled, I watched him as he said, Whoa, I feel the Holy Ghost. And he started preaching. Brother, it was awesome. It was powerful. It was mind-boggling. It was gripping. It was forceful. It was driving. It was with power. And while he was preaching, I was watching him thinking the spirit that was on Balaam is on that man right now. And I could almost see as he ended and it visibly, almost visibly lifted and he went back to his grin. 
And he could have told those people to be baptized in maple syrup and every last one of them would have climbed into a pool. But he grinned and smiled. And I was sick for days. I was sick for days. God, don't let us become captive of our own wills and our own spirits. Somewhere, God, we've got to catch the revelation. 1 John 2, 17. Read it, brother. And the world passeth away. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof. And the lust thereof. But he he that doeth the the will of of God God abideth forever. Forever. I had a good young person come to me and say, Why is it, brother, that I've seen good people not make it? And the only answer I've got is to take into that verse. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever, 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 forever. Put it in our heart. Put it in our soul. Not my will, but thy will be done. Not my way, but thy way. Not my word, but thy word. Not my spirit, but thy spirit. It's the greatest safety we've got. And so Balaam, verse 23, chapter 23. Said unto Balak, build me here seven altars. Prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. Why bother Balaam? He he had obtained concessions from God. He was hoping that through his offerings and sacrifices, he could obtain further concessions of God. Amen. And the Bible calls these things enchantments. Very quickly, Joshua 24, verse number 9. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel. This and sent re- and called rehearsing of the story the son of Beor to curse you to curse you but I would not hearken but I to would Balaam. not hearken to Balaam therefore he blessed you still therefore he blessed you still what does it mean when God said I wouldn't hearken to Balaam when Balaam was offering up these sacrifices he was trying to pave the way to somehow turn God to do his own thing and God said, I'm not hearkening unto you, Balaam. Verse number 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads. This is after the fact. And for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. Amen. And then he let them know, you're here because God would not hearken to Balaam. So he said, build me. Amen. He says, verse 3, I will go stand by them. Peradventure the Lord will come to meet me. Now when he went into the tent, he said, God's coming to talk to me. When he went into the tent the second time, he said, God's coming to talk to me. This time, he's not sure. He knows he's on pretty thin ice. And, and uh, maybe, uh, maybe uh, uh, God will come. Maybe he won't. But in verse 4, God did meet. Balaam. And notice Balaam's lie. I have prepared seven altars. I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. At best, he should have said this pagan and I. But he takes credit for it all. Amen. And then in verse number 7, it happens. He took up his parable and said, 
under the anointing of God. The true artist. He is a great artist in spite of himself. He knows that it's got to be God. And the anointing. And he says, Balak, the king of Moab hath brought me from Amram. Out of the mountains of the east saying, Come curse me, Jacob, and come defy Israel. How shall I curse? Now this is not him. This is God on him. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? How shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? From the tops of the rocks I see him. From the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. He meant it to the depths of his wretched, tormented soul. Complex man. Seeing what's happening. Wanting to die. 
the death of the righteous. Now I'm going to throw this in here. One of the things that the Lord spoke through that man was, Israel is a people that shall dwell alone and shall not, everybody say not, not be reckoned among the nations. The history of Israel is this. When you read world secular history, they're a footnote. They have to give credence to, these are the people that produced a very influential book and produced a number of scientists, mathematicians, artisans, amen, poets, writers, etc. But Israel has never been reckoned among the nations. To get the true story, you've got to read God's true book. And where Israel forever got themselves in trouble was when they bent backwards, 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 trying to, to do the, uh, uh, get under the, uh, can't even think of what you call it. Anyway, go under the, the rope where they could be accepted amongst the nations. Every time Israel tried to be accepted, it brought them confusion. And they ended up being so pitiful and so wretched and so lost and so undone. Amen. Can I tell you, God said, you're not going to be reckoned among the nations. You are the apple of my eye. I don't care what the world thinks about you. You better be concerned what I think about you. And that promise... You can call it a promise or a curse, but it's the plan of God. Can I tell you, the same today is true of the church of the living God. We're not going to be reckoned among the church world. We never have been and we never will be. We're a footnote in their history. We're the heretics. We're the ones that's off. I can't help it. I'm sorry. But brother, I'm going to tell you something. We can't be going trying to fit their needs and, and be what they want us to be. We've got to be what God wants us to be. And every time we try to fit in, we end up confused. We end up dazed. We end up a mess. Come on, church. Be what God wants you to be. Do what God wants you to do. I want them to understand this and I want them to know us. But they cannot change our lifestyle. We're going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ according to the good book. And so, verse 11, Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took you to curse my enemies, and behold, you blessed them all together. Verse 12, he said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? But is he content to do so? Balak said, Come on, I'm going to take you to another place. We're going to see if we can outflank God and uh, offer up your, uh, your sacrifices. He brought him to the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah, built seven altars, offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And he said to Balak, Stand here by the burnt offerings. While I meet the Lord yonder. He knew now because God did it over there. God was going to meet him. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth. And when he came back, Balak said, What hath the Lord spoken? Now there's progress being made in Balak. Okay, come on. What did this God tell you? Verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, 
and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. Wow. Now if you'd have went down to the camp and asked Moses, tell me about these people. You mean these murmuring, complaining people that I can't be gone on one good trip with God and what they're worshiping golden idols? You want me to tell you about them? I'll tell you all about them. But God, amen, speaking through Balaam said, I can't behold any iniquity. I don't see any perverseness. You say, boy, God must be blind as a bat. No, I'm going to tell you about God. He abides by his doctrine. And what he saw was the smoke coming off the altar. What he saw was the blood on the mercy seat. And brother, it's covered. It's covered. It's covered. It's covered. I cannot see perverseness. I cannot see their iniquity. I'm abiding by the doctrine that I gave them. And brother, if God abides by that doctrine, I highly recommend that we do too. We want your mercy. We want your truth. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Why? Brother, it covers a lot. And I just wonder if right then and there Balaam thought, If all else fails, I'll work it. You do behold some perverseness. But I digress. God hath brought him out of Egypt. He hath set it as it were the strength of a unicorn. Surely, verse 23, there is no enchantment against Jacob. Neither is there any divination against Israel. And he ought to know. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what God hath wrought. Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift himself up as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink of the blood of the slain. And he probably got a cold chill. And Balak said to Balaam, don't curse them or bless them at all. Just shut up. Verse 29, Balaam said to Balak, Build me here seven altars. Prepare me here seven bullocks and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had said. And he offered a bullock and a ram. Chapter 24, please note. And when... Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless. He went not as at other times to seek for enchantments. Two things. Man, Balaam, you are a slow learner. And whatever these enchantments were, we don't know. And I know a lot of times we talk about the glory of the first church, and it was. But I believe they had their problems like we do. Acts chapter 19, amen. Uh, 
seven sons of Sceva trying to cast out a devil. Uh, they said, oh boy, and this old boy said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who in the world are you? He ripped their clothes off, sent them out naked. And when the people heard this, Acts 19, begin reading at verse number 18. That believed came. Whoa. These are believers, brother. Read the context for yourself. Many that believed came. And confessed. And confessed. And showed their deeds. And showed their deeds. Read. Many of them also, which used curious arts. Curious arts. Brought their books together. Books together. And burned them before all men. Burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. This was a church book burning. Read it for yourself. These are believers that finally decided, I guess, it's time to come clean. Amen. And I've seen 20th century church people involved in some borderline stuff, brother. Borderlining on enchantments and everything else. I say it's time we just come clean with Jesus. Come clean. Come clean with Jesus. So now he's finally seeing. Please the Lord to bless. Verse number three. I trust you're looking at your Bibles. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor has said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he hath said which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. And I trust you notice the words into a trance are italicized. They were put in there by the King James translators in an often honest effort to help. But in some cases they did, in some cases they didn't. In this case they didn't help. Let me tell you what Balaam is seeing. Let me tell you what Balaam is realizing. He heard the words of God. He saw the vision of the Almighty. And out of his own mouth he said, Falling! But having his eyes open. Balaam said, I have fallen with my eyes wide open. I knew what I was doing. I knew the game I was playing. I knew the tricks I was pulling. My eyes were wide open. And I've lost my place. And I've lost my position. I've lost my standing. I'll never be the same again. I have fallen with my eyes wide open. This gives me ice 
cold chills. We had best take heed to our spirits. We had best take heed to our ways. I don't want an error getting in my heart and giving it enough time and enough nurture and enough, amen, reasonings and making excuses for it that eventually I come up with some weird doctrine. How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel, as the valleys are spread forth. And he goes on and on. He brought him forth out of Egypt. Verse 8, He hath as it were the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion, as a great lion, who shall stir him up. Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. And he comes out from under the anointing. Balak's anger was kindled. Verse 11, I thought to promote you unto great honor. But lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. Ouch. Your God has kept you from the honor that I wanted to show you. Brother, let me tell you something. There is no greater honor than the honor that comes from God. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the world thinks. There is no greater honor than the honor that only God can give. And so Balaam, he is not having a good day. He says, you want to hear curses? Amen. Verse 15, he took up his parable. And he said, Balaam, the son of Beor, has said, the man whose eyes are open has said, he hath said, which heard the words of God, knew the knowledge of the Most High, saw the vision of the Almighty, falling but having his eyes open. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And I got new. You want to hear some cursings, Balaam? Balak, I'll give you some cursing. Amen. He's going to smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. You want to hear some curses? Let me tell you what he's going to do to Edom. Verse 19. You want to hear some curses? Let me tell you what he's going to do to Amalek. Verse 20. You want to hear some curses? Let me tell you what he's going to do to the Kenites. Verse 21. I mean, Balaam's on a roll now. He's cursing everywhere he turns. But not God's people. God's enemies. He's fallen. His eyes are open. Verse 25, And Balaam rose up and went and returned to his place. And Balak also went his way. Musicians, can you come? Don't play is let us know there's hope praise God he came but he didn't stay there he went home 17 days one way is a long time to think and he got home and he's very upset at God for dashing his dreams. He's very upset at Israel. 
because they stood in the way. And he don't care if goats bleat about Balak or Moab or Edom or Amalek or the Kenites or anybody else. All he cares about was he missed out on some coffers of silver and gold. So Numbers 31. Is that right? Times went on now. Begin reading. And Moses, verse number 14. And Moses was wroth with the officers Here's of the host. what happened. And with One the day, captains. Whoa, 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 whoa. One day, these people have been eating manna for so long. And they're starting to grumble about it. They smelled something. Man, what is that? Upwind from us. Ooh. And they checked it out and said the Moabites are cooking all kinds of food. Oh. And look, they're bringing it to us on silver platters. And some old boy had a piece of man about to take a bite. He dropped that, boy. And look who's carrying the platter. Some mobile girls. Scantily clad. Bringing trays of meat. That's been offered to their idols, but, you know, his manna gets old after a while. And they ain't dressing like our ladies dress. And they started eating the food. And as they're eating the food, they're getting softened up. <laughs> and uh, the next thing you know, they're taken off with these delivery girls. And the next thing you know, fornication is running rampant. And the next thing you know, there's a plague. And you know who's destroying? God. And the plague is taking place. Because they've ate of the Moabite meat and were softened up for the Moabite huppies. And now they're in the fornication. And the smoke. is not what God sees right now. And God begins to destroy them. And while God is destroying His people, there's a man standing next to Balak. He's got a doctrine now. It's not just an error of his heart. It's formulated himself into a doctrine. I'm going to tell you, Balak, I figured out a way. Amen. God will absolutely kill these people. 
We'll let them fall into gross immorality. We'll let them slobber all over themselves and their meats and everything else. And in the midst of God destroying them, here's a man that don't care about God anymore. He doesn't care about Israel. He doesn't care about Balak or the Moabites. Now he's on a vendetta. I'm going to tell you something. Oh, boy. Well, you come this far. We'll go on the way. Do you want to know who John Wesley said were the greatest enemies he had against the message of holiness that he preached? He said, those that have once embraced the message of holiness, there is no one that fights this truth any harder than those who once embraced it. I don't know if I have it with me or not. I've got the writings of two Jewish scholars. I'm going to try and quote it. In the days of, of Antiochus Epiphanes and the movement of the Hellenists where they were, they were subverting the Jews over to the Grecian way of thinking, these writers said that no one strove any harder to, in villainy, to destroy those who clung to the righteous degrees of the Torah than those Jews who once embraced them. Balaam fought vociferously. He fought below the belt. He fought dirty. He fought criminally because, brother, as long as there was one Jew left that kept the righteous ways of God, he was condemned. And when someone leaves this apostolic truth and someone leaves this apostolic way and someone leaves this apostolic righteousness, you better get ready, brother, because they're fixing to fight you like you never dreamed. As long as there's one godly saint, as long as there's one truth-loving saint, brother, you condemn them. And they're not going to be happy till they can bring it all down. And while Balaam watched, and the plague had begun, and the children of Israel, they were in the tent, throwing dust in the air, and the elders, oh my God, my God, my God, my God. One of the tribe of Simeon, Zimri was his name. I'm just going to throw this your way. Check it out for yourself. When Israel went into the wilderness, they had 600 and some thousand men. When they came out, they had lost 2,000 overall. 37,000 people was a decrease in the tribe of Simeon. 60% of all of Israel's losses was incurred by one tribe, the tribe of Simeon. One tribe took it on the chin. 60% of their losses. I don't know why all the reasons. So when you have a little bit of a clue, you've got to put a big door on that hinge. Zimri, a prince of Simeon, brought his Moabite hussy into the door of the tabernacle where the people of God were weeping and wailing over what was becoming of them. And he looked and he laughed with his little Moabite girlfriend and she laughed. 
I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of tribes in Israel to this day. There's a lot of tribes in the church. Not one tribe is necessarily any better than any other tribe. You hear me? But there is a tribe that God abhors. There is a tribe and an attitude that God hates. That's the tribe that says, buddy, I'm going to do what I want. And it's in your faith. And if you don't like it, you can lump it. That's an obstinate, that's an intransigent spirit that God looks at and He says, Buddy, it's one thing to be weak, but it's another thing to be bold. It's another thing to be brazen. It's another thing to be so hard. You're going to say, I'm going to do my thing. Live, die, sink, or swim. You can like it or lump it. And He brought His little Moabite hussy and He laughed at the elders as they prayed and they wept. And He went His way into His tent. To frolic in his folly. And there was a man that was praying with the rest of them. And he saw Zimri. And he got up and he brushed the dust off and he took a spear off of the side of the wall and he began to make his way and he walked out you're not doing this to my God you're not mocking my God you're not going to treat my God's laws this way you're not going to treat my God's holiness this way and he went into the tent and he raised the spear and he killed both of them with one thrust and the second Zimri shimmered off into eternity. The plague stopped. And God said, I found somebody that was zealous for me. And when the plague stopped, Balaam, what's wrong? Balak, why's the plague stopped? I don't know. What's going on here? I thought you said it worked. It was working. Well, what stopped it? They ain't dead. They're far from dead. And they still are. Far from dead. This message is far from dead. This holiness is far from dead. This way of living is far from dead. Balaam said, I, I don't know what's wrong, but uh, keep your gifts. I think I better leave. Verse 7. Oh, no, keep reading where you were. With the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, which came from the battle, Moses said to them, have you saved all the women alive? Did you save those Moabite hussies alive? Well, read. Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam. These Moabite hussies through the counsel of Balaam brought all this on us to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Verse number 7. And they warred against the Midianites, as the Lord commanded Moses, 
and they slew all the males. And they slew the kings of Midian beside the rest of them that Verse were number slain, eight. Namely, Evi, Rechem, and Zer, and Hur, Reba, five kings of Midian, Balaam, Balaam. Run home as far and as fast as you can, Balaam. But you did this to us. And Moses said, you're not going to keep them women alive. And let him loose. And they found Balaam. And I don't know how they killed him. But I wonder if his last thoughts were to God. How did I the death of the righteous? And my end would have been like theirs. Let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord. I love you, my God. I love you, my God. I love you, my God. I love you, God. I am closing with this. I was a hippie. I was a druggie. I was messed up. 25 years ago I found repentance at an apostolic altar I was baptized in a cow pond in Jesus name five nights later God gave me the Holy Ghost I didn't know nothing everything I knew you taught me I remember in those days having a fellowship meeting. We've worked hard all week and I'm sure tired. God is my witness, Brother Tenney. All they'd have to say was, but it's a Louisiana preacher that's preaching. And everybody'd perk up and say, let's go. You have been the tail that has wagged the dog. A lot of the holiness that this movement embraces came from the lips of your preachers. You've affected this fellowship. The greatest preachers produced. So many have come and are in this district. And the whole world in its own way looks at you. I'm a nothing and a nobody. Stand tall. Stand strong. Preach this message. Preach this righteousness. Preach all the tenets of holiness. Lift up the banner. The whole world looks at you. And let God do what he wants to be. Do what he wants to do 
in your individual lives and in this district and in this nation. No indictments. Just a plea and a prayer.